Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Great to have you with us here today. If you're online, we're thrilled to have you as well as we continue week four of our series, The Good Work. And here's what I know about you, that God has formed you, that God has created you and built in you. You have gifts and abilities and talents and skills, that you have passions and desires and you have something that's inside of you that God wants to use to make an eternal difference. He has a good work for every single one of us to do. We've been looking at the story of Nehemiah and the good work that God gave him to do. He was just a regular guy who, who was a servant to King Artaxerxes of Persia. And and he went to the king, and and because he was burdened over the plight of his people, who about 50,000, they had been uh, captives and and taken from their land for for decades, and about 50,000 were allowed to return home. And and he heard they returned home, but nothing was happening. They weren't rebuilding the city. The walls weren't going up. They were all distracted by by just the, the, the difficulties of life and the trials of life. And he was aching about that. He was like, man, our people got to get things rolling and get things going again, and let's build those walls. And so he went to God, and he sought God faithfully in prayer. And and he did that, and he continued to pray, and then God gave him an opportunity to go before the king and make his request of what he was hoping for, of what he was asking for. So he went to 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 the king and said, hey, I would love for you to release me. So I could go back to my home country where I've never been and go back there and to help get these walls built, provide me provision and protection to do that. The king granted his request. So Nehemiah goes back to the land of Israel where he'd never been and he goes there. He inspires the people and they begin to do the work, the good work of rebuilding the wall. And as that happened, there are people around who are opposing them. There's always opposition when we step into the good work that God has for us. And Nehemiah, uh, in the midst of this opposition, he said to the people in Nehemiah 4, verse 14, he said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. Fight for your families. Fight for your wives and your children. Fight for your homes. In other words, we can overcome the opposition we can fight for this good work that God has in our lives. And since his enemies that were led by three guys, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, since they were unsuccessful at intimidating the people to stop their work, they tried another tactic, distraction. They were going to distract the workers in the hopes that it would slow them down in the hopes that perhaps even they would abandon their good work altogether, just like our spiritual enemy, the devil, does. These guys, they simply wanted to divert Nehemiah off of God's mission and God's plan for his life. And that's what we're talking about today is is distractions, diversions. How do you and I keep from being distracted? How do we defeat these distractions and stay focused 
on our good work. And that's what we're going to pick up today. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 6. So if you have a physical Bible, go in your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 6. If not, I would encourage you to go on your phone to the Version Bible app. Phenomenal app. I hope you use it regularly. Um, it's a, they have reading plans, everything in there, and our notes are in there. You can track along, take notes, you can see them, you can add notes, you can send them to people. Um, so I really encourage you to use that if, if you have your phone and you don't have a physical Bible. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 6. Here's what it says, starting in verse 1. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not set up the, the doors and the gates. In other words, there's still a little bit of work to do. So what does Sanballat and Geshem do? Notice, so Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Now, you're going to want to write this next thing down. So pull out your phones or pull out the pen. This is very, very important. Whatever you do, whatever you do, never, ever, ever meet your enemies at a place called Ono. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't go to Ono. Now you might think, but wait a second, this is an opportunity. I mean, they finally want to meet so we can talk. This is good. This is my opportunity to, to share with them and try to convince my critics. It's a chance. If, if I can convince them, we can, we can, I can go and we can expand our influence. I can reach, if we can convince them, this is our opportunity to, to reach more people, to build our brand, to build our name. I got to meet with them. I mean, this is a good strategic decision. But here's the problem with this way of thinking. When we think this way, the problem is that what we often think is an opportunity, God tells us that's a distraction. What you and I might think is an opportunity that God says, no, 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 that's taking you sideways, that's a distraction. We think this is strategic, this is something I can do here, but it's a distraction, it's a distraction from our enemy. He's trying to, to sidetrack us. He's trying to get us off of our good work, to get off of our purposes that God has for us. So the enemy says, hey, come meet with us. In other words, they didn't say it out loud, but in other words, we want to distract you. Now, I would argue that you and I live in a period of time in history where it is, easy, it is easier to be distracted than any other period of time in human history. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, distractions are everywhere for us, and it comes at us at all angles and all sides. In fact, studies have shown that you and I are bombarded with about 10,000 ads every single day to distract us. I mean, that's just mind-boggling to think about every single day. And medical health experts, they all agree that the more you're exposed to ads, the more miserable you are. The more you allow yourself to have that be a part of what comes into your life, the more that our brains, behind the scenes, we may not even know it, the more we're distracted by it, the more miserable we are. So these enemies, these, these critics of Nehemiah, they're, they're begging for a meeting. Nehemiah, we want to meet with you. We want to get together with you because we want to distract you. And the enemy knows, or the devil knows, he's going to do whatever he can to distract us. 
from God's will and God's purposes for our lives. Because he knows, the enemy knows, if he can't, you know, have us, you know, you're a Christ follower, you have eternity with Christ. He knows if he can't have us, he's going to distract us. He'll use ads, he'll use whatever it takes to render you and I useless to God's mission and God's purposes for our lives. And Nehemiah, he says, no, I'm not getting distracted. No, I'm not going sideways. No, I'm not going down that path. One of the most strategic skills that you can develop in order to defeat distractions and to do what God calls you to do is develop the ability to say no. Did you know that no is a complete sentence? It's a complete sentence, and it's in the no that we often grow. In fact, maybe some of you don't say no enough, and you need to learn to say no to the good, because, so you can say yes to the good work in your life. So I want us to all say no right now, the count of three, one, two, three. No. Let's say it again, one, two, three. No. Turn to the person next to you, one, two, three. No. I, <laughs> now, I don't know what that no just meant to that person but apparently you do. <laughs> no, I'm not getting sidetracked from God's work in my life. No, there's something else I have to do. No, I'm gonna stay focused on my mission. No, I'm staying focused on my calling, on my good work. And I don't know if you've learned this yet. I, I imagine most of you have, but some of you may not have. Do you know what it is? When somebody tells you maybe, what are they really saying? They're saying no. They're saying no. Uh, they just haven't developed the ability to say no, or they're just uncomfortable with potential tension. And if you're a maybe person, can you just kind of get over that and start... And just start, you know, saying no. It's okay. Just lay it out there. Even Jesus said no often. The crowds of people would want him to continue. He said, no, I got to go to the other side. They'd want him to stay with them. No, I got to go be with my heavenly father. I need to pray. Jesus said no to the sick. Jesus said no to the topic of social welfare. He said no to the hungry. It wasn't like, you know, Jesus, oh, Jesus is being mean or something. No, no, he was being wise. In fact, when he would say no to the crowds, it was oftentimes because he was saying yes to his heavenly father. Now, obviously, we're going to be strategic with our no's. We don't give a no because we don't care. We're not trying to be insensitive. But there are times when we say no because we really do care about what God has for us, what God has called us to do. Just because you could do something that somebody wants you to do doesn't mean it is something you should do. In Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 4, four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. Nehemiah's like, no, 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 no. It's not going to happen, but they kept at it. And in verse 5, the fifth time, Sam Ballot's servant came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. They try a new tactic, and here's the letter. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true. So, okay, if Geshem says it's true, it must be true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. Now, what do we know about rumors? Uh, maybe you've seen this on social media, this saying before that says this, rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools, and believed by idiots. 
I don't know if you've heard that before. Rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools, and believed by idiots. There really is a lot of truth to that statement. What do rumors do? They distract you. They, they, they pull you sideways. They cause you to have to exert mental and emotional energy in the wrong direction. Our ability to accomplish the good work that God has for us is in direct proportion, in direct relation to the amount of time and energy that we give to small-minded people who are spreading rumors. It's the small-minded who get caught up in rumors, listening to them, spreading them to others. Don't let them pull you away from your good work. A rumor almost destroyed a close friendship of mine some 16, 17 years ago. A buddy of mine had listened to a small-minded person and he got so caught up in what they were saying and he let it go on and on and on and, and hearing what they were saying for about a month or so and I can't believe he let it go on for a month but he finally called me. I remember where I was when he called me. I was uh, in the cookie jar parking lot. Let's just say back then I might have had a, a little addiction to frosted sugar cookies, but, but I remember it clears day I was walking out of a different store and uh, going to my car to call me. And, and so we must have talked an hour or so there. But it was in that situation where as he was sharing all this, I was like, I was basically going to have to prove a negative to defend myself. You see that a lot in culture today, don't you? Where you're having to prove that you are or aren't something. I'm going to tell you right now that's futile. It's a waste of time. It's useless. I couldn't believe that somebody so close to me had allowed rumors to poison his heart and his mind. But that's what Proverbs chapter 26 says. It says in verse 22, rumors are dainty morsels. They're frosted sugar cookies that sink deep into one's heart. It was a life lesson on the power of rumors. If we allow those to distract us, if we get caught up in rumors, they, man, sink deep into our hearts. And so I told them, well, you know me, you got to decide what you're going to do. I can tell you right now, uh, it's all bogus, but I'm not spending another nickel of energy or time on this with you or them or trying to defend or any of that. You make your own decision. The doubt in his head caused a rift in our relationship for quite some time. But as is often the case, eventually people do get found out and he eventually discovered that they were the type of people who were gossips, who spread rumors. He eventually saw they were small-minded. Your best way to defeat distractions, your best way to, to defeat the rumors is not to worry about what other people say about you. Just worry about what's true of you. You just worry about what God says about you. You just live a life that honors God. Don't let the critics, don't let the haters, don't let them knock you out of God's will and God's purpose and God's mission and God's calling for your life. Don't let their opinions distract you and take you away from the good work that you know God has been calling you to do. Stay focused. Hey, Nehemiah, there's a rumor and other people are confirming it and saying it's true. You're gonna to try to rebel and, and you're gonna to try to be the king. And Nehemiah replied in chapter six, verse eight, there's no truth in any part of the story. You're making the whole thing up. 
In other words, just like I told my buddy, everything they are saying is bogus. Nehemiah, that was it. That's all he said. He wasn't going to let the opposition discourage him. He wasn't going to let the opposition distract him. He wasn't going to give any oxygen to this rumor. He wasn't going to invest energy or time trying to go to the people spreading the rumors and trying to convince them. None of that. In fact, I want you to notice what did happen. The next verse, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9, they were just trying to intimidate us imagining they could discourage us and start, stop the work. So, everybody say so. So, say so. So, I continued the work with even greater determination. What about you? You have a good work. Something that God has called you to do. So, what will you do? The opposition is going to distract you. They're going to try to distract you with discouragement. What follows your so? They tried to intimidate me and discourage me, so I gave up. They tried to intimidate me and discourage me, so I gave in. They tried to intimidate me and discourage me, so I lost a whole lot of sleep over it. They tried to intimidate me and discourage me, so I compromised. Or they tried to discourage me and to intimidate me. So I determined to do the good work with even greater determination. What follows the so in your life? So I gave up or so I worked with greater determination? Nehemiah worked with greater determination and it paid off. The success grew. And the people, as a result, were able to accomplish this good work. Nehemiah, he rallied the troops, and they they dove into it, and they finished, or they completed the good work. Now, whenever you find yourself having success, making progress, having something to show, an accomplishment, you're going to find that there are dangers that come with that success we can start to think that our success is a result of us and our abilities and our skills and what we've done. And we could start to think that we're something special. We can start to believe the headlines. Whenever you and I slip into that space, we get distracted where we start believing we deserve special privileges. We deserve special treatment. We're entitled to certain privileges. Let's be brutally honest for a minute. What does Scripture say about what we earn, what we deserve? It says there's one thing we earn, one thing we deserve. Anybody know what that is? It's death. Eternal separation from God. Because of our sin, the Bible says the wages, what we've earned, what we're entitled to is eternal separation from God. But scriptures say, but thanks be to God. He has given us life, new life in Christ Jesus. That because Jesus died on a cross for our sins to take our place, we have an opportunity not because of what we have done, for it is by grace you have been saved. And it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So that none of us can boast about it and be prideful about it because thinking we've earned it, we deserve it. It's all God. He's the one who saves us. He's the one 
who's rescued us. I I love the scripture. Uh, I've always chuckled at the verse. It says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, for if anyone thinks he is something special when in fact he is nothing special except in his own eyes, he deceives himself. (laughs) Another translation says, if any of you thinks you're important when you're really not, you're only fooling yourself. Or as I've always said all these years, I I couldn't find the translation. I know it's out there somewhere, but I couldn't find it this time. So I've always said, don't think you're something when you're nothing. Now that's not to, to make us feel bad. It's just to keep us in our proper places, what Scripture's saying. It's only by God's grace. He's the one. For me, I could sit back and say, hey, Chris, man, look at all this, I don't know, success. Man, you started a church from scratch, meeting in your home, and now, you know, however many hundreds, maybe over a thousand people consider LifePoint their home that we have influence over. You have a dozen employees. You oversee a million and a half dollar budget. You, you've, you've planted multiple churches. You have built multiple churches. You have built multiple homes for people. You've helped uh, 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 food distribution ministry be the, one of the most successful in the entire region. You've done, look at all this and go on and on and on. Chris, you deserve something special for that. Man, you're the entitled. That was a previous section of the sermon. Can't use that now. <laughs> you deserve some accolades. You deserve special treatment. But if you know me, that's just, I don't live in that space. It's not how I roll. For me, I know it's all God. For me, I know he provides the increase. I know for me, my job, your job, our job is simply to be faithful to him, say yes to him. Let's press into him and let God handle the rest. He handles it. Now, sure, it's important for you know, people to, to show honor and respect to pastors, but it's not because of me. It's because that's what Scripture says to do. We are to honor one another, double honor pastors, and some of you are amazing at that. That's awesome, but it's not because of me. I don't deserve that. I do deserve some of your guys' cookies, but other than that, it's not because of me. It's because of God. The key for you and I to defeat distractions is not letting any form or version of what we think might be external success to allow that to do internal damage to our hearts, to our souls. We aren't entitled to special privileges. We don't deserve special privileges. It's all because of God. And notice how Nehemiah deals with the temptation to get distracted with an entitled spirit. It says in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 10, it goes on and says, later I went to visit Shemaiah, and he said, hey, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. This guy says, Nehemiah, hey, listen, I got some intel. And there's people who are out to get you and they're coming after you. So let's do this. Let's head to the temple. And we're gonna lock ourselves in there. Nehemiah, you're something special. You've done what you've done has been amazing. You've rallied the people. We've built the walls. And Nehemiah, we need to watch over you. We need to protect you. Nehemiah, we need to draw alongside you. You deserve this. You're entitled to this. Let's go. Verse 11, but I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, 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 I won't do it. 
And I realized that God had not spoken to him, but he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me like for real, not just be a rumor. Nehemiah says, I refuse to lead with an entitled heart. I refuse to believe that I deserve certain privileges. This has never been about me. This has always been about God and doing a good work to the glory of God. So I just want to ask you, do you find yourself thinking that you deserve something special? Now, I don't think this is going to be up front on the surface. I think it's going to be a little deeper. Is there something in you because of what you've done, what you've accomplished, who you are, you look at your life and you say, you know what? I deserve this. I've poured into them. I deserve. I've given my heart and soul to X, Y, or Z. I deserve. We're talking deeper, not on the surface, down deep. Do you find yourself thinking you're entitled to special privileges, to accolades? You're entitled to respect, maybe because of something you've done. Or do you just sit back and you, all you do is give all the glory to God, realizing it's because of God? He just chose us. That, that, that's the amazing thing of God. He chose us, not because of us, but because of him. And he's chosen to use us to bless and to make an impact and to make a difference, not because of us, but because of him. There's always going to be people that are trying to distract you and discourage you. And one of the strategies, one of the ways is to get you to have a sense of entitlement, to say, hey, I deserve this. Please don't miss it. That's all a ruse. It's only trying to distract you from the good work God has for you. The way you and I defeat distractions is we humble ourselves and submit to God and give him the glory for all that happens in our life. I love Nehemiah's response that we mentioned the first week of this series. Nehemiah chapter 6, he said, I sent messengers to them, to all my distractors, saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Nehemiah realized, man, this isn't just a good work. This is a great work. This is something that God created me to do. This is his, his mission for me. This is the good work for me right now. God has put me in the right place at the right time with the right king, granting me the right protection and the right provisions to do the right pur uh, purpose, to inspire the right people to the right work that's gonna outlast us all. Nehemiah is saying, your criticism will not distract me from doing what God has created me to do. Your praises and your accolades will not distract me from what God has called me to do. I'm doing a good work. I'm not stepping down from it. I'm not taking my eyes off the prize. I'm focused on what God has called me to. I cannot come down. So what's God saying to you today? Maybe you're here and you're a, a, a mother or, or a father, stay-at-home mother, stay-at-home father, and you have infants, you had toddlers, and you are up to your eyeballs in diapers. And you are thinking to yourself, you know, I, I want to do something else. No. 
That's God's good work for you in this season. To love those kids, to pour into those kids, to show them the love of Jesus that they don't even understand yet. And you pour into that. Don't give in. You're doing the good work that God has called you to do. Don't come down from that calling. Maybe you're trying to pay off debt and you've, that's God's good work for you in this season. And man, it's been slow and it's been a grind and you're watching the debt and trying to do a debt snowball to, to get it rolling and it's like you dollar by dollar and you don't seem to be making progress and everybody around you is trying to distract you. 10,000 ads a day to get you to bail on, on, the, on, on getting rid of debt. People saying, get rid of debt, what are you talking about? You live with debt, you manage debt, you leverage debt, you use it. That's just normal, that's just life. They're trying to distract you. Don't come down. Stay in your good work that God's called you to. Maybe you're trying to love somebody in, in LP students. And there's some people and it seems like, man, it's, you're just not connecting and it's not working and it doesn't seem like they're responding. And you're like, maybe it's time to get out and to step away. No, 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 don't come down from the wall, from your good work. Just keep showing up. And it matters. It's the good work God's called you to do. Maybe you're starting to start a business and, and, and you take two steps forward, but then it's three steps back and you're looking at you know, the capital and cash flow and, and you're like, man, I, I don't know. I think this is it. And, and maybe God didn't call me to this. Don't come down. Don't give in. Stay with it. Maybe you know God's called you to honor God with your sexual purity before marriage. And yeah, everyone's trying to distract you. Say, that is so ancient. That is so like lame. Just live your life. It's not worth it to wait. Enjoy the moment. No, no, no. Do your good work. Commit to, to, commit to purity because you know that's God's will. Don't come down off of that mountain. You have a vision for something. You have a heart for something. You want to make a difference. God's put it in you. He's given you a calling. calling. He's given you a burden that you can't shake. And just like Nehemiah, say with conviction, it's a good work and I'm not coming down and I'm not getting away from this. I'm sticking with it with even greater determination. Okay, just a couple more verses here. We'll wrap it up. It goes on to say, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days. Say 52. The walls of Jerusalem were in complete rubble. 52 days later, it was completed after the work had begun. Now, I love it. I love this. 52 days, man, they would work with great determination, and they weren't sidetracking. Here's what I love about this story. There's no supernatural miracles that happen. Now, I'm, all, I'm a fan of supernatural miracles. I love miracles. I love it. I'm a fan of it. But I love in this story, we don't get the burning bush. We don't get fire from heaven. We don't get a talking donkey. We don't get the Red Sea being parted. We don't get 10-foot angelic angels, you know, uh, angelic masonaries with, with heavenly chainsaws coming in. We don't get any of that. We don't get bricks just laying on themselves. We just get an ordinary guy who is a servant whose heart broke for the plight of his people. 
And so he faithfully sought his God. He made plans carefully. He inspired people passionately. And he stepped into this. And whenever the enemies tried to distract him, he just kept his eyes on the prize. He didn't engage with the rumors. He didn't try to convert in his critics. He didn't come down off of his wall. He didn't allow himself to be entitled, believing the headlines that he was something special and something great. He simply humbled himself. He said yes to the greater work. And as a result, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 16, when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, that the wall had been built, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of Nehemiah. Is that what it says? With the help of what? Of our? Of our? God. Who was it that was glorified beginning to end in this story? It was God. It was all God with a sense of humility, not allowing themselves to get distracted. This good work had been done with the help of God. God has laid on you a good work. No, 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 a great work. He's put it in you. It's there. He's going to help you to accomplish it. He's going to empower you to see it through. And make no mistake, there's going to be everything and everybody and everywhere. Distractions will come your way to get you off of that good work. For some of you, to get you from ever even starting it. Or for some of you who are in your good work, to get you to stop. But don't let it happen. Don't come down. It is time to begin your good work. So let's go, church. No excuse. Let the good work begin. For some of you, let the good work continue. And like Nehemiah, let's go after that good work with an even greater determination. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, opening our hearts to you now. Are you here in this room or online? And you're sensing, you're knowing, God's been speaking to you for a few weeks and you know he's calling you. There is a good work. I'm gonna invite you to pray with God right now, to talk to God right now. I don't know ex your, the exact words, but maybe say something like this. Just say, God, I'm listening to you. God, forgive me for getting sidetracked and distracted. Right now, I'm just tuning into your spirit. And God, I'm sensing you're calling me to tell them that this is your good work for me in this season. And so God, I ask in humility, God, that you would use me to do a great work. I trust you, God, to lead me, to empower me, to guide me. May you receive all the glory as I step into what you have for me. And I pray this humbly in Jesus' name. God, hear each of these prayers. And I pray, God, as a result of this, lives are changed. Those of us who've said yes to you and those, God, who will be recipients of the good works that are gonna pour out of so many people. 
We praise you, God. We worship you. We praise you for the good work that you did, Jesus, that you didn't get sidetracked, that you didn't get discouraged, and everybody was trying to lead you down a different direction, whether it was trying to destroy you or they had expectations on you that wasn't part of your mission. God, so many distractions. But I thank you, Jesus, for the joy set before you. You kept your eyes on the prize. You endured the cross. You scorned its shame. You rose from the dead, giving us an opportunity to be saved. So God, as we come right now to focus in on your good work, fill our hearts, God, with the word you have for us right now in this moment about your work. We praise you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.